In 2014, two young women decided to give a sacrifice of a close friend to the entity known as Slender Man. This fictional character appeared on the website Creepypasta in 2009 for a Photoshop contest. Slender Man is depicted by a faceless character with unnaturally long arms standing anywhere between 6 and 15 feet tall. Many tales following the posting of the picture to the Creepypasta website have created backstories that turn to evil and to those created to bring hope to those who feel isolated or alone. While most of us recognize that these tales and the Slenderman himself are nothing more than fiction intended to tantalize our imaginations, these two preteen girls believed that Slenderman was real. Anissa and her friend Morgan lured Peyton, otherwise known as Bella by those who knew her, to an isolated park in the town of Waukesha, Wisconsin, and stabbed her 19 times, leaving her for dead. All to appease the Slender Man. Morgan was sentenced to 40 years in a mental hospital after being diagnosed with schizophrenia and delusions. Her accomplice Anissa was recently released in 2021 with an ankle monitor and an order to never have contact with Bella or her family until 2039. The question in my mind that seems most important is why did no one see the signs of these two young women and the obsession with and what might be considered a religious theology over this fictional character, the Slender Man? So Andrea, knowing that you have children about this age, do you, what, what, what would possibly, how could you possibly miss something like this? I don't know. I can't really speak for every parent, but I guess like for me, when I watched, when I was reading up on this, it was kind of like when you're a parent, it's really hard to like want to think that there's something wrong. You kind of maybe explain it away like in this documentary and like you know that we were watching on hbo it was talking about you know slenderman and stuff and it got me really curious is thinking like man how in the world do they miss this stuff but like thinking back at my own kids granted they're a lot older now i've got one that's fixed to turn 19 one that's fixed to turn 17 and then i've got you know 14 and 13 you think that you know it's okay to kind of like a little bit of macabre drawings and macabre things on the internet and creepy films and things like that i think back in our day what was it like hellraiser was the big one that was considered <laughs> a no-no because it was talking about religious themes but where do you draw the line between like having right, your child is just slightly different versus a problem i think parents just want to explain it like oh it's okay it's 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 normal stuff but you can easily like not be a objective or subjective in that situation because you're well, too close to the the source the one the one girl though was diagnosed with schizophrenia and it, it, it according to the documentary uh when the father plainly admitted that he was schizophrenic himself and saw colors and different shapes and things like that and thought the devil was in the backseat of his car and things like that i mean how could they not know that this could be a genetic thing well, if you think about it, though, would you want to explain to your kid at like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, everybody has a different way of parenting. But, you know, I don't know. I'm a little different. I think I would tell my kids from the time they're young age what that is, because I fully believe that nothing should be in my style of parenting should ever be a secret. 
like if you're open and make you know honest about things, it's not taboo. But but also telling what's right and wrong at the same time. Right. But like for this instance, though, like she didn't want to tell her kids until older. And that's that's their choice. I, my perception is and, 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 and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But my perception from the documentary is what the woman was talking about. The, the mother of the schizophrenic girl was that they didn't even go in their room. They just wanted to give her privacy so she could be herself. And well, I just what the, the the private detective on the stand? What did he say? He said they were just laying in his room, laying in her room. But maybe to them, they can easily explain it away. It's just maybe she's into just things that are just. But she wrote, "I want to die." On uh, yeah, that's a little extreme, I would think. But um, you think you'd pick up on that, or are they just not paying attention? I don't know if it's paying attention, but maybe you just. I guess the philosophy of if you stick your head in the sand and hit, stick your head in the sand and ignore it, it will go away. That's everybody's philosophy these but, days. But you I know, think. you can't you can't do that. But at the same time, you have to step back and think. Okay, do you want to jump the gun like every like some parents are with? It's the nth degree the helicopter parenting, like a yeah. pers- like the like a a a, a close family friend that we spoke to uh, just recently. That's all she wants to do is helicopter kid or helicopter the parents. And it's just not good. Yeah. So where do you find the balance in that? I mean, you want to give your kids some sense of privacy and the ability to create their own. But at the same time, you want to protect them for things that are like not necessarily what they fully understand. And I mean, they probably played off this whole Slender Man thing. It's just some scary thing on the Internet, like maybe Freddy or Hellraiser or Nightmare on Elm Street. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like something that's just popular that may pass and things like that. I mean, but saying that you want to die and hurt yourself is probably yeah, a, a that's little. a screaming red flag for anyone out there. If your kid says, I wish I was dead, but if you that's think it's not good, but maybe they had been treating that and maybe they had been talking to her about that and they just don't want to talk about it. I, on the documentary. But they're talking about everything else. Why wouldn't they? I mean, I guess people are weird, so. I mean, some people, maybe they don't want to fully disclose, but yeah. maybe they want to have, um, give a little bit of information. I mean, I don't know how the documentary came to be. Did they approach them? Did HBO approach them? I mean, if you think about it. Well, it was not on HBO. HBO bought it because it was originally on Netflix. Oh, okay. I, f- I first saw it way back in the day oh, okay. on Netflix. And I'm like, ooh, look, you got to watch this because we were talking about doing something on scary stuff. And scary stuff to me is it's not real. Well, I just can't. It's just very difficult for me to buy into. It's a haunted house. I just. Oh, well, we have. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. I got something to kind of talk about on that aspect. But I just was so lured to this situation because I kept thinking, what in the world would possess two, what, 12, 13, 12 year olds, 12 year old girls to get so obsessed over something on the Internet? And I guess it's maybe. Because I've always been kind of like brought up in my head to anybody can put anything they want on the internet. You don't know if it's true or not, but I guess people like all over just took this story and ran with it. Oh yeah, it was a huge internet meme. Everybody loved it. There was a video game. There was a movie made about it. Um, there's tons and tons of stories. That's why I was saying in the intro that the the backstory. It was made up from anywhere from being evil to saving children who are being you know, feel feel ostracized by parents in school and in society. But I guess anybody who's like bullied or felt 
different or strange or whatever is going to run or be drawn towards something that makes them feel like they're part of the group, part yeah. of the group. Yeah. Accepted. Cause it's school. They're not, or wherever they, their social interactions. Well, you are. and I both were quite bullied in school. Yeah. And I, I just did, I did my own thing. It went on. I was like, nah, you guys can be that way if you want to. I'm just going to not be that. I, I don't care about you. I'm just going to do my own thing. I guess for me, I was quiet, withdrawn. I didn't really have a whole lot of friends. I didn't really socialize with a whole lot of people. I sort of just was buying my time until I got into college. Yeah. And I mean, even then, I mean, I, I had friends, but like. We had goals. We had goals. Yeah. Mine yeah. was as soon as I get the hell out of here, I'm out. I'm out of here. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to, I'm going to stop surrounding myself with things that I absolutely can't stand. Like the people at school who I just couldn't stand and my reunions coming up. And so they'll probably won't hear this podcast, but once they do, they'll be like, Oh, he really doesn't like us. Some of you, maybe most of you. I don't know what high school for me, I was more <laughs> or less didn't want them to know about my mother. She was, that's a whole other topic. And my, my dad, I ended up coming out as, gay later in life so I, yeah. I got teased by both of that so I just kind of didn't want to be around people because I couldn't trust people but these girls I mean <sighs> well, you know, it's just trying to relate as much as possible is all I'm trying to do it's just trying to relate to see what, what, what could we have been driven could I have been driven to something like this and I could see the allure but at the same time no, because it's not real. But the one girl had schizophrenia and in yeah. her head, in her head, it was real. It yeah. was real. She did not. She could not tell the difference between reality and non-reality <sighs> to her. It was real. And in her head, she had such a delusion that it was 100 percent real in her head. Yeah. The other girl, I think probably and I'm no psychiatrist and I'm definitely no psychologist, but I would think that maybe she just wanted to go along with her friend because she just she seemed to be just a touch narcissistic, but I think that's normal. Every teenager's a narcissist to some degree. Yeah, and so I, it's just, I don't know, but the she seems fairly normal now, I, I guess. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we've never met these people, so. I just, I feel for the parents because, yeah, everybody can, like, freaking point fingers at them all day long. You should have known. You should have known, but... Unless you've been there or have had kids or have had yeah. some sort of kids with some sort of illness, you really, you know, you can't point fingers. And it's just kind of sad that in society today, we're like totally 100%. If the kids do anything wrong, it's instantly the parents' fault. Sometimes the parents can be doing everything humanly possible and it just, something happens. And I don't know, I felt kind of, you could tell like in the documentary, the parents were just like totally 100% just devastated and if I was in their shoes, I'd be completely devastated and so highly humiliated. I think some of the posts were that uh, one of the backstories was where the Slender Man came up as a bullied kid and ended up being, I don't get the lore. I don't understand the lore behind this. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, if you think about it, all the kids like creepy stuff in the woods and oh, yeah. you know, well, creepy, funny things. That's true. And, you know, um, I don't know. I remember in our school, there was something about, um, you know, Freddie and not wanting to go to sleep and all that other stuff, your dreams. And there's some sort of like. Well, all that was the studios. They had an investment in the crack cocaine industry. So they make, <laughs> make sure no one went to sleep. That's yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. if you don't go to sleep, man, you go down, the, down on the corner of Fifth and Main, there's a dude right there. He'll sell you something to keep Freddie away. <laughs> you don't think so? 
Uh, who knows, man? I was, we were just, what, how far apart differences are there f- between us? Four years. Four so. years. It's not that, we're still in the same generation. Not that far, but four years is a lot between like high school experience, but. Yeah, a 21 year old dating a 17, 16 year old. Yeah, that would not go well old. with my father. Yeah, your father would have been upset about it, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. This the kids in the podcast. It got me kind of thinking. Uh, not podcast, excuse me, but the um, the yeah. documentary was like. I just felt they were so cold, and uh, I don't know. I like, saw the emotion coming off of them. I mean, I rec- I recognized watching that that they had sympathy and empathy for what they had done. Or do they have sympathy or empathy because you know they hurt their friend, but they didn't get their ultimate goal of going to Slenderman's mansion or whatever? All that, yeah. I think yeah. all of that. I think they were bad, felt bad. They did remember she's over and over the one girl that got released early. She said she didn't want to do it, but she was told she had to, or it was going to kill her family. And I can't imagine having such a delusion or so strong that you have to choose between morality and your family. I mean, I guess in my head, I would like to believe, and it's probably pretty stupid and childish on my part, I would like to believe if anyone's put in that situation where they have to choose between something and morality that you would do the right thing. And not everybody does the right thing. Well, what is the right thing? That's the question. Is the right thing killing so my family doesn't die? Or ignoring this thing that I've have a feeling it's true but how you yeah that's where it becomes really really difficult to do but you should know in your head that that is not real well you're 12 i mean at 12 we play still played with you know toys and pretend that they were real yeah times have changed on 12 year olds and suck to their tablets and whatnot and but it makes you it makes me kind of wonder as a parent like what else out there do i need to be aware of like i remember with my kids and my kids still laugh about this but when that whole tide pod thing came out people were eating tide pods i was sitting there thinking in my head what idiot is going to eat a tide pod so i remember sitting down with my children telling them that if they were encouraged by their friends to eat a tide pod this is what happens to you x y and z and i remember them looking at me like i'm not going to eat a tide pod i'm like well everyone else that i hear of this is a thing right now if you want to do an ice bucket challenge that's cool you won't die from that but a tide yeah. pod will forever change the rest of your existence yeah but who comes up with this stuff i mean who's there think i'm gonna eat a tide pod today and it's gonna be really cool well, well, well come on now it says on the packaging do not well, eat you're expecting that these children are educated enough to be able to read because well, obviously they have a problem with education because they're eating tide pods but so i'm just I, saying common sense should rain that if you eat a tide pod that you're gonna like let's drink some bleach burn your esophagus and probably have to eat up a feeding tube for the rest of your life in your stomach i mean it's like a shot of bleach a shot of uh, uh windex that's what you need right there i won't be able to talk anymore on this podcast <laughs> if i did that i'd be if, dead if everybody if you but, do that you will die do not do that but it just makes me sit there think i'm having to have these conversations of do not eat tide pods uh, I can well, they did the same thing. We had the same conversations when we like we could get those little toy arrows and in the, in the lawn darts. Remember those things? Oh, yeah. We did the same stupid stuff. We just didn't have other people coming around saying, Hey, this is cool. Watch this. I hit the dog, you know. And while well, now they can watch all these stupid idiot things on the internet and think it's okay because when it's over, they don't see the consequences from it. Right. Yeah. I mean, all you see is the video with them doing it, but the there's no long video of the consequences of getting the lawn doubt out of your brother's eyeball. 
You know what or I mean? Or the Tide Pod in, yeah. in the hospital. Or you're getting a stomach pumped and you can't eat anything ever again. I don't know. Maybe teaching common sense might be something in order, but... Well, common sense, I've always found that common sense is something that not everybody gets. And well, common sense to one man is completely absurd to another. True. I just, I guess I'd like to believe that people have enough common sense to know that. Oh, let's <laughs> eat Tide Pods. I mean, then that can't make me think, well, what else is on the internet that I need to be aware of? Are they telling you to like eat quarters? I mean, what, what, I'm sure there's what's the there. next freaking challenge and what do you get out of it? When it's over, I guess well, that's got, the, that's what makes me like old. I guess <laughs> I don't make you old. It just I, makes you smarter than the average bear. But in high school, we didn't have social media. We didn't have. We had note passing. We yeah, note passing. <laughs> you folded in the cool little things. That, hey, eat a tide pod. Tide pod. <laughs> Nobody's check, gonna pass that note. Check box yes or no if you like me, kind of thing. I mean, we didn't really have. <laughs> we didn't really have this whole of having to worry about everyone else posting your whole entire life and what you've messed up on on the internet. You could go home and it'd be over. You know, you didn't have to worry about, um, you know, Jane down the road seeing that you messed up your eyeliner. I mean, <laughs> you know, I just don't, I don't get it. I feel kind of bad that you have to sit there and have your whole life has to be a certain way in filters. I don't understand filters either, man. Why yeah. do you want to make yourself look like something you're not people? Because people don't like who they are. That's the whole point of it. People don't like who they are. They want to be something else. They want the gratification of knowing they can do it right now. No one else will know. And it doesn't matter what the, the problem is. It doesn't matter on the long run because everyone that meets you now knows who you really are and what you really do and what you really look like, how you really sound. And guess what? That's real. And this now when they look back at your post with your filter on it, what do they see? They see false. They see a lie. And it actually degrades how people think about you once they meet you in person. Think about it when you met a celebrity. I've actually never met a celebrity, but we'll just pretend. Okay, I have. I've met a few celebrities, and and I learned this a long time ago. When you meet the celebrity, you you take the characterization from at best Jimmy Kimmel, for example. They're on there talking to him. Well, it, that's still an act. When you meet them, they're totally different, and they don't act the same. They're not not the same person at all. And then you feel like it's kind of a lie, deflated. Yeah, and it's a lie at that point. And, you know, that's the one thing, I guess, consequences, maybe, maybe consequences for these girls. I don't think the consequences, the yes, Slenderman girls, I don't think they were the consequences were not there for them. They knew the consequences going in. They knew they were killing that girl and they knew that if they didn't in their world, their family was going to die. So it was a choice of consequence. Choice of consequences based upon an illusion. Yeah. And for for the one girl, it was completely real. And the other girl was like, huh? What? But, I mean, anybody can really get caught up in a delusion in some form or fashion. I mean. Just today's politics, for example. That's one of them. Or <laughs> it could be. I mean, or a delusion of, a delusion can be anything. I mean, you have to yeah. truly believe 100% that it is real, no matter what people put in front of you to tell you that it's not in your head. Cognitive dissonance is what that's called. Yeah, you want to believe someone's a certain way, and it doesn't matter even if they are not that way. Yeah. It just totally blows my mind. But it, my thing is, like, 
what makes someone completely get mixed up in that delusion? Are they just so wanting to believe in something that they're willing to just, it doesn't matter, they want it to be this way? It's like, what makes your brain do that? Because I guess if you could figure that out, then maybe you could kind of almost prevent what happened to this poor girl that got stabbed. Well, you know, we've been trying that for, it's, it's the thing about it is, which you have to really consider this, is that this is a quite, they equate this story of the Slender Man to a, a, some of the Grimm's fairy tales. Well, all of Grimm's fairy tales, if you really break them down, are kind of meant to scare the, the crap out of kids, more or less. Yeah. If you think about it, I mean, the breadcrumbs to the old lady's house and she comes and eats you. Uh, don't be going to strangers' houses. Yeah, because they may eat you. A little Red Riding Hood. Don't talk to anybody in the woods. Yeah. Just do your thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they're meant to scare. Do your thing. Do huh? your thing. <laughs> you know, you're meant to scare. But I mean, I remember reading some of those fairy tales and stuff with my kids when they were little and thinking, God, these were kind of yeah, slightly morbid yeah. if you really think about it. But they're so ingrained in our London culture. London Bridge is falling down. Yeah. You know, that's a morbid song. If you really think Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. They That's, have Humpty Dumpty sitting on the wall in Eureka. <laughs> believe it or not. He's not yeah. really a Humpty Dumpty. He's a painting, right? Painting or like a thing. I always yeah. want to go up there and get a picture with him. Because, yeah. I mean, Humpty Dumpty's sitting on a wall. And it looks like if he like if the ceramic ever breaks, he'd fall to the road. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, like... Um, I don't. I think the one that I know that's not is Peter Piper picked a Beckle Book of Peppers. I can't say that. No, I could barely say it now. Like Alice in Wonderland. Oh, that's a terrible story. If you think, you think about, about it, right. She's hanging out with the people that are maybe smoking a little too much. I remember the story correctly. LSD. For yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, all those stories, but Slenderman's just one of them. What were they? They explained it. It was about a guy who would come in, a, a character, and was going to get the mice out of the town, and he was playing his Pied Piper. Pied Piper playing his flute, and all the rats went to the, ra- the ground or the road or whatever the river and drowned. Yeah. And then he's like, "Hey, I want my payment." And yeah, they like, wouldn't pay him. They, they wouldn't pay him, him, so he played his little magical flute thing and got took all the all kids, the took all the children away. It's kind of like, well, moral of the story, if you make a commitment and you're going to pay somebody, do it. Yeah. <laughs> or, or bad things could happen. I mean, I mean, we have movies about that now still. Yeah. It's just a different way of telling the same story. But it's all these things are... I mean, it's But the Slender Man, he came from... Uh, they say they equated him to old lore and it makes sense to me, but how in the world, I guess on the internet, they, there's some other story. I mean, creepypasta is you have to know going in that you're looking at silliness. It's just somebody being silly like Edgar Allan Poe, right? Like Hamlet. Hamlet is a serious story and has some really macabre stuff in it, but it's still just a story. But it, I don't know. Hamlet's pretty bad, I think. Oh, Hamlet based some of his stories upon actual things that happened in history. Shakespeare, you mean? Sha- well, excuse me. Yeah, Shakespeare, excuse me. Like Hamlet, uh, some but other... But he, he made them worse than they actually were. We base things <laughs> on history about, you know, the, the, the two boys in the tower. Uh, I don't know that one. I can't remember exactly which story it is. I'd have to look it up. But I've read that the two boys in the tower were killed by their uncle because basically they were all having a turf war on who gets the the, the kingdom. The kingdom. And so one one of the kings died and then his brother took over and then he got, I guess, considered um, 
oh, I guess, to be a bastard child or whatever, you know, that like you can't yeah. have, you know, I can't everybody like that sit on the front. So the other one gets it and he like found out that these boys were in the tower and they're the ones that technically, you know, get the throne. And supposedly King Richard had him murdered, but, you know, there's been some speculation Yikes. debate on that. But the people of Creepypasta and everything on here, what I've read, they feel bad for what happened and they don't, you know, feel, they don't want anybody to believe that they're, what they have out there is definitely, you know, made, they, you know, basically they feel awful and their content is just content. It's not to promote violence. Did the author ever say anything? I noticed you were looking at Uh, yeah, I have my little so notes the, the, here. So um, it was originally a photograph that was photoshopped for a photoshop competition for this creepiest photograph on creepy pasta and a guy just threw us this you know stretched out dude in the background and and kind of made him a little translucent and it took off people are like oh man that's so creepy and it is creepy um but I, the, he made it and it, it's just arbitrarily he didn't even get paid for it yeah in, initially did. yeah now they made a movie out of it and stuff like that and obviously he had to get paid for that because copyright he said he's deeply saddened by the tragedy in Wisconsin. What was his name? Um, see here, creepy he buses Russian, walked maybe? through it. The basically, the school district after all this happened just basically blocked creepy pasta, and then following the stabbing, this Slenderman creator Erica Cudenson said, "I'm deeply saddened by the tragedy in Wisconsin. My heart goes out to the families who's affected by the terrible act." I mean, think about this guy. It was yeah. What about him? Yeah, he just made it just to do a drawing, just to enter a contest, just to start story. He could be no. We could make a story or a podcast that might make people go delusional and do crazy stuff. I yeah. mean, we would never want that to ever happen, obviously, oh. but you can take someone's art and turn it into some other delusion. I mean, I would feel awful if something I wrote or created made somebody have some delusional hurt somebody. I well, would just feel terrible. I, I did exactly that. If you think about the opening, when I did the opening, I said the two girls sacrificed to their, to their being. To basically, I wanted to say God when I wrote it, but I yeah, it couldn't go that far. But basically, they made a sacrifice to their being, to that that the being in power, which was Slenderman, and that's how that's exactly what this guy was doing. He was just flourishing, and that's what it is. It's flourish, and uh, if flourish is what causes a lot of misinformation, actually. Because sure. it's possible. Let's just think about it for a second. It's possible if the same thing happened to me that happened to the creepy pasta dude, um, it could be turned. It could be turned into a story of two girls and a whole population of people worshiping the Slender Man and having to go around and uh, giving sacrifices of their friends to him to keep him from killing everybody. And twenty three thirty five, who knows? That may be the story that it that that's around, and it all comes from a headline that I wrote for a blog post or a, uh, a, a movie. podcast. It could be. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that sounds like the next Hollywood movie. Hollywood writers out there, let's not do that. But you know, <laughs> I, but I it, it brings up the question for me as a parent, like, okay, you need to monitor what your kids are doing. Yes, I get that. You have to like steer them the right direction. But when is the cutoff line between steering them into a direction or making them so naive in the world they can't function? Yeah, and I I think a lot of us are just I think that's kind of the status quo naivete. But, Honestly, you know, I had a friend in high school, she'll remain nameless, that was heavily sheltered. And I thought I was sheltered, but she was heavily sheltered. Um, 
she gets out in the world and goes to college where she's exposed to parties and people going crazy. You don't have, you know, when you go to college, you don't have mom and dad harping. You go to class. Yeah. I, I like go, hanging go out class. with my brother, you know, and that was nice. I was 13 and all the college girls in the 1980s wearing their fluffy sweaters. You're so cute. And give me a big old hug. Of course, I wasn't tall enough to get them above their breasts. So they always stuck my face right there. Yeah, that's was nice. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, every 13 year old boy's dream there. Yep, pretty much. But she when she gets to college and everybody's just like she didn't know how to handle handle things like. I'm not saying that you need to like have your kids be wild either, but it's like, where do you get them ready to function on their own? I mean, well, that's supposed to be, that's supposed to be from day one, if you ask me, but I don't have any kids. So who knows if I'm right or wrong, the pressures from other parents to be perfect and have your kids to be perfect and live this facade of perfection is very overwhelming to parents who are just trying to do their thing and survive. It's like uh, going in classrooms and stuff with the kids were in elementary school and meet the teacher things. I didn't mind going in there and helping out, but it was the other mothers that would almost like crucify you because you weren't like having gluten-free chocolate, vanilla, high dollar cookies that you bring in. It's like, I, the chick that goes out to Walmart and just picks up what I can for the kid's party because it's a cookie. Yeah. And you just got it off a 14 hour shift. Yeah, it's, I think, you know, for these parents, they're just doing the best they can, you know, in this, you know, in this documentary, every parent's doing the best they can. If there just wasn't such an overwhelming pressure of having to have perfection and feeling judged by other parents and, you know, another family, maybe we could all just kind of like, oh, help each other out and just help our kids just be kind. So what you're really saying is, is in a roundabout way, it, it, I always put a sharpened point on things. You're good at that. Yeah. Um, pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention for two seconds and just look. But what's the difference between paying attention and being up your kid's ass so much that they're well, hating well, you when you're, they turn 18? I'm not saying I want, I want my kids under my, my, my kids' best friend, but I want them to have sort of sense yeah, of... Yeah, you can't oh, be your kid's best friend. Oh, hell no. But you have to have some sort of sense of... Um, let them be them. Yeah. But just, I mean, until a certain point, you still have to take, you have to pay attention though. I mean, it's like, it's like me. I pay attention to everything. I see, you've said it several times. Don't mess with Paul. He sees everything. Yeah. You're it's, like the evil eye that sees everything. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate I'm that. Teasing. Not completely about the evil eye thing. It's a joke in Jewish culture, the evil eye. Okay. But I, I, uh, you know, I pay attention and I watch and I log and I see, and I, but I was trained to do that because I spent 20 years selling insurance. So I was trained to pay attention to everything because that gives you insight to the person you're talking to so you can sell them something, right? I, yeah, I think parent, for these parents, I think they truly felt like at 12 or 13. They're still treating them like they're six. Yeah, and that's a hard age because they are still young, but at the same time, they're hitting puberty and all that stuff but it also some of it has to do with maybe the way the kid the way the kid is i mean maybe your kid is not intellectually ready for such yeah. deep things and i i wondered about one of the kids in the documentary if she really was really ready for all that i don't think stuff. either one of them were I don't, i've been looking at them and it's like they they 
don't know the difference between good and bad. And that's a prefrontal cortex thing. And that doesn't develop till you're 25. My kids ain't staying with me till they're 25. No, no, no. I agree with that. They got to they gotta go to college and or make pay rent. They can pay enough rent. I mean, we make the rent obsessively high. We could just live off them. Oh, Lord. <laughs> if they were in the room right now, they would be probably throwing things at him. Um, I think you got to be savvy. And I'm just kidding, of course. I think for, for me, to know that. The, the, listening to the documentary was kind of like, man, I need to probably be a little bit more savvy with things with my kids. They tell you all that stuff all the time. Watch the Internet. No, get this app. It's called Bark. And I'll tell you when your kids are doing something wrong on the Internet. Bark. It's, I think it's Bark or something like that, isn't it? Man, I don't know. I think it's called Bark. I, I remember going Bark. It's got some weird title to it. But um, just to look and just to monitor and encourage them to talk to you. But if you've got a kid that's not going to want to talk to you, like one of these kids, I don't think if her parents would have actually like been there, listened to her all the time, was totally up in her business, I don't think she would say anything because she's just not that way well the other one though was the drawings were laying on her floor and in her room that's a little obvious yeah it was like not paying attention which one was that one morgan that was the schizophrenic morgan yeah yeah and but it's like i have a deal with your kids and i told them this i said i'm going to treat you like an adult until you stop acting like one and when you stop acting like an adult i'm going to quit treating you like an adult until you start acting like one again but 12 years old they're what still in sixth grade I don't know. Sixth, seventh grade? Yeah. That's still babies. But no, they're not babies. Well, they're, they're not they're, babies. I, I guess a lot of my thing is, a lot of parents can relate to this, is you still look at your kids as like being young and little and I have to constantly kind of remind myself going, no, my yeah. son's fixing to for 19. He's a man. He whether, does what he wants. Whether point. I want to admit it or not, he's a man. Yeah. And for somebody like me, I don't have any kids. So I've never experienced that. So it's I, it's I kind of see it from the other side of the other, other side of the stream, you know. It's I see it as you treat them like an adult until they act like a kid, then treat them like a kid until they act like adults. That sounds like a really good plan for someone in my position, you know. But my next question is: is what other popular thing is going to make some other emotionally challenged child to start having delusions again? I mean, think every. It's, I mean, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, yeah, but it makes you constantly think that maybe I need to be a little bit more um, into their business more than I... I'm not saying I'm a bad parent, but I'm just thinking... It was a very eye-opening experience to think, man, yeah. am I missing anything? Am I not seeing things right? Am I need to... You know, it... I don't... No parent wants to be on the other side of that fence like these, these parents were and have to ultimately admit that I have a child in prison. But well, at the same time, if your yeah. kid has committed an act that is... That heinous. That heinous. Yeah. I would be like, okay, honey, you're going to jail. <laughs> you're going to prison. Yeah. I'll help you through the process. Send you a care package once Yeah, send you a care package. Put money on your account. You made a mistake. You need to own it. Yeah. And... <sighs> It's, it's tough, especially for someone, it's people like us, because we didn't, you had more of a support system than I did, believe it or not. I, yeah, I'm a father, yeah. Yeah, I sat in my closet for part of my childhood, because I'd close my door to my room, then go sit in my closet, which was one of those little skinny closets, not the walk-in closets that we know today, one of those little skinny closets with just barely enough room to, to put a shirt in. And I would sit in there and listen to the radio, watch TV. I had a little black and white TV with an antenna on it, which you couldn't do today. But, and I just sat there and did my thing because I couldn't rely on anybody. 
and I couldn't trust anybody to follow through on anything that they said anywhere at any time. And it took me years to get over that amount of distrust for even family members. Uh, so, and I'm still not there. I still don't trust people, but it didn't turn me into a murderer. I had just the opposite. Uh, whenever I was like the Columbine kids, right? Yeah. They dreamt of going into school and just wiping everybody out. That's what they wanted to do because they hated them so much. They were overcome with anger. I had just the opposite. I wanted to be the savior. I wanted to be the guy that I thought to myself, well, if somebody had came in our school with a gun and started shooting people, what would I do? Would I run? No, I wouldn't run. I would try to find a way to get one of the weapons and shoot back. That was my daydream versus the Columbine kids daydream was to shoot to school and kill everybody. So I guess it's different for everyone. Maybe. I mean, I didn't dream of like, I'm a guy hurting so, anybody, but I definitely kind of dreamed about getting out on my own and proving them that, you know, I'm not shy and stupid. But I mean, if you think about it, though, those those Columbine kids and other kids that have issues, if their parents would have put them in therapy or, or thought about it or got them help and they did, it's kind of up to the kid to open up. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you can't help anybody who doesn't want to help themselves. I mean, that's just the, that's just the bare bones of it. That's, I mean, you have to be able to open up to the therapist or anything like that. It's a two way street and yeah, little kids can't make that decision, but however much money your, your parents want to dish out in therapy, if a kid's not going to open up, they're not going to open up. There's really kind of nothing you could do. Well, it's not to talk about any uh, cases or anything, but you can talk about the training that you have in CASA. In CASA is what? Uh, court appointed assistant advocate for children in, in foster care. Yeah. So you, you're you the person speaking up for the kids. Yes. I'm not affiliated with DHS. I'm not affiliated with any of the legal I I involve myself in the legal system, but I'm not and like. you are a, a paralegal. Yes. But I don't do that type of stuff with paralegal. It, it's basically you're assigned, you're, you're a volunteer. You're trained by the, the CASA office. And this CASA office is like all over the U.S., and you're trained how to deal and look for things within your CASA kids like abuse. Um, disease kids are coming into care with so many different situations that have happened to them. Uh, sexual abuse, mental abuse, neglect, food or shelter, that kind of thing. And they go into foster care and they're just like shoved into a foster home. And there's way more kids in foster care than their homes available throughout the in, U.S. In the past, not too distant past, the kids had nobody advocating for them. No, you basically, the kids I've had, you go in there and you're the voice of a child in court. You write court reports to teach how to do all that. And I've had... A little boy say, hey, I, I want to stay with my sister. I really want to stay with my sister. I, he was very, very much attached to his sister who was younger and he very much wanted to take care of her. So that I put in my court report, you know, such and such really wants to remain with his sister. And they listen to you. Um, there are yeah. examples of other cases where um, teenage youth want to stay on the same football team. So they'll put that in there. And people would always ask me questions like, well, isn't that the job of social work to do that? Not always. Well, they're you, not going to listen half the time. They're more concerned about other stuff where they got too many cases. They don't listen, but they're so stretched thin. Yeah. And a lot of the times, foster parents, some of them will accommodate for some of the stuff for the child and yeah. some of them won't. And it's not to say that they're mean and they won't. It's just a simple fact that it may be just logistics for them that they don't want to drive this teenage boy two towns away for him to still be in his football team. But if it's put in a court order and the importance of 
why for this child to have a sense of. And they um, know that going in and they don't have to sign up to take that child. Correct. A lot of times, though, these poor kids, they'll put them into shelter homes if there's nowhere to put them. It's really a sad situation. And you follow the kid all the way through. Either they go back with their parents, which is reunification. And every state has different laws on how long their parents basically have to, for lack of a term, get it together. They have a case plan they got to follow. They have to go into court and show that they're doing and turn in paperwork saying they've had X amount of clean drug tests or they've gone to you know, um, uh, therapy or they've gone to parenting classes and this, that, and the other. And then if they feel like they've met everything and that they've got a stable environment, the kids go back. So a question I've got, uh, on that then is let's say there's a situation very similar to this comes up and you're faced in this particular situation with a child who has this type of delusion. What would you do how would that how would we be able to 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 interfere how would you even know that this was going on one thing if there's any like red flags in the kids that i've had within casa i would always go to my supervisor and then i would talk to the attorney at lightum which is the attorney assigned for the child and then i would go to social work and i'd be like hey i just see this i don't know if it means anything i just just something doesn't settle right with me Kids, someone check into it. And I have such a good relationship with them that a lot of them will listen to me. Like I had one little girl who was acting out. We found out she was molested, you know, that that was not divulged initially when she was taken into care, but she started just doing strange things. And I was thinking this doesn't make sense for a child who's fixing to hit kindergarten. Just something doesn't feel right. So you asked the question and said, Hey, what's going on here? Can somebody look into this? Yeah. I said, I don't know. And you're trained to look for those. A lot of it's just like, you know how five-year-old kids are supposed to act if they're like uh, wetting the bed that's normal but if they're like but we're not talking about this anybody in particular it's no just kind of it's a just like rule. if you if they're just act distant or which is sometimes normal if they go into care but if you're just your your gut feeling tells you something's just not right you need to speak up that's your job in casa and that's my, also my job as a mandatory reporter as a nurse i just need to report that and i report it and follow up on it and turns out they got her in front of a psychologist and they do the especially trained people who for younger children who've been molested and um yeah basically they did the whole entire you know forensic interview and she divulged it so that's 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 what it's that's what it's about so I just, but in a case like these two these two. What would, I mean, how would you have even, would, would you have gone into their room and looked around? What would you have done? If I was their mom. Oh, no, you're, you'd be their casa. If, they're, if they were saying they're in foster care. Um, yeah, you have to go in the room. You have to go in the rooms. Um, I so start, this could have been a perfect opportunity for someone like yourself to come in and figure this out before this happened. If they were in foster care, yes, but in this situation, they weren't. I know, but I'm just... It's pretending, okay. If, uh, yeah, if I saw drawings like that, I'm saying I want to hurt myself or I'm going to, you know, a lot of drawings of the Slender Man, I would be kind of like wanting to, A, figure out what Slender Man is and investigate a little bit more, and B, probably bring it to my supervisor and the psychologist's attention be like, you know, they're really writing a lot of these weird things. And I don't, I would probably take pictures of it and I... A lot of the times when I'm in their houses and stuff, if anything's weird, I'll take a picture with my phone and um, send it to them. Say, hey, this is what I saw. Don't know if it means anything, but it kind of made, you know, the hair on the back of my neck stand up or I just got a weird feeling or just feel like it needs to be clarified. And um, 
then they, then from there they can take it however they need to go as far as you know who they need to see and what they need to do but but the, 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 so the, the training that they gave you would help you it would have helped these parents be yes. able to see the problems that they were having if they would have just taken a little bit closer look maybe yeah that's, that's kind of my feeling i think they should look a little bit closer pay a little bit more attention we don't pay attention to anybody anymore i mean even my, my work where i'm at uh you know they don't pay attention to me and and they don't listen to me either if it's not inside something that they thought of then it's not going to happen and it's it's ridiculously stupid but that's the way it is for some reason and i don't get it i never did understand it and i think it's where you and i get along because we neither one of us understand that you know casa also helps the parent with the kids in foster care i mean you're there to encourage yeah here to be like you know hey you know how are you doing with this how are you doing with that do you know need help with this here's some resources you know encouragement it's huge i think if these parents maybe would have noticed that and got their kids on the right path and been encouraged it might have helped at least give them a sense of peace of well, mind might have saved that one girl from getting stabbed just for the fact that they would may they maybe they wouldn't have had the sleepover because uh, i'm not sure what's going on here but every child like one of them in there that's is slightly different and slightly strange and not really strange but just you know quiet shy though has a lot of friends but some not, people are just that way though yeah not every single child like that's going to turn out to like you know stab their best friend yeah so i i it's it's quite now let's be totally honest it's, stuff like this is quite rare Yes. This is not. You hear about this stuff, it gets in the news. And that's the other thing with our social media and things that we're dealing with is that something like this happens and it's on the news 24 7. We hear about a stabbing in Oregon and we're living in Florida. Well, not necessarily does that mean it's happening next door to you. That was Oregon. You're in Florida. And yes, I know Florida man gets a bad rap on the internet and especially in podcasts because Florida man, but Florida man is, is a product of reporting in, in Florida, just as a kind of as an aside, everything that happens with the police department in or court court system in Florida has to be divulged to public record within 24 hours. Oh my they, God. They, it's, that's the way it works in Florida. That's why we hear about all the craziness. Just think about it. That was in Arkansas. Yeah. We'd have this, we'd be have Arkansas man instead because these people here are crazy, but they don't have to report it. So just because we hear some, about something crazy happening in Wisconsin doesn't mean that it's happening in Texas. Billy Bob man shot his pig. Yeah. Because, well, no, he, he only, he only ate one leg because you don't eat a friend like that all at once. <laughs> Remember that joke? It was terrible. <laughs> uh, uh, people would have a totally different opinion in Arkansas if everything was reported. Oh yeah, they and that's just because Florida's makes makes them report it. They have to make it public, and that's why we have Florida man. And Texas would be way worse. Poor Florida, we feel for you. <laughs> people people think all the crazies live in Florida. No, it's crazies everywhere. But serial killers and all this stuff it doesn't it's not as prevalent as you think it is it's in the in the 40s and 50s and 20s and 1800s they didn't know what to call it and they didn't realize it one of the worst mass murderers was that dude well what was it chicago h.h H. holmes yeah h.h H. holmes that guy that guy's messed How up many kill, he built an entire building to kill people and no one said a word I think, though, in those days, you can, like, rent a room, and the World's Fair was happening at the same time. Yeah. You know, that was his goal. And I think, you know, people weren't 
like you, you didn't think about stuff like that. You didn't think about I'm well, gonna it wasn't in the news. It wasn't the in the news. Yeah. And the news is a double edged sword sometimes. But, you know, they went in there. They were in a room. They go into the World's Fair. And if he liked you, then he killed huh, you. He killed you. You know, and <laughs> there's been some speculation. Well, he sell your bones to the. Yeah. Medical schools were accepting all those cadavers and stuff. So he was. He making, would dry the bones out. Make some money. Them. Yeah, make a couple hundred bucks off a set of bones, sell them to the college. Thank God medical schools have changed since then. Yeah, we can make bones now. We only need one set, and we just copy them from a, a foam mold. Yeah. That's enough. We don't need to well, actually... you could donate your body to science, technically. Uh, donate to medical schools. I'm, I'm going to put mine up for the highest bidder. Highest bidder? <laughs> UAMS, here we go. <laughs> it's like, this crazy person, this is so weird. We got to have those. <laughs> but I don't know, H.H. Holmes... And but he's, I bet you a dollar his psychosis wasn't too far apart from these two girls. I I don't know. I have to honestly look that up. I can't remember off the top of my well, head. No one really knew. I mean, he's like they killed him. Yeah, and he plus he was in jail for a little while. He um, I think he got executed and supposedly was buried in um. Unmarked grave or something. No, maybe it was um, something special about his tomb. Either he was under concrete or something yeah, like that. Yeah, because grave robbers. Everybody grave wanted robbers, to, yeah. Yeah, everybody like, wanted hey, to steal him. Like, hey, I have a picture. I have a piece of H.H. H. Holmes' index finger. I yeah. mean, you know. Uh, just as bad as he was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, think about it. The person who figured out that they were related to him was, uh, his last name is M- Mudgeon. He's his great, great grandson. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, I suppose I was reading that supposedly he found out about it after his, I think his dad passed or his grandfather yeah. passed, one of the two, found a bunch of records and discovered that he's related to H.H. Holmes. Now, can you remember, can you think about that for a second? Can you imagine? It's like being related to Dahmer. Be like, uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, Bundy. D- Bundy has a child. I know, and that's sad. I feel for her. Well, so does uh, Gacy. Gacy's got children too. Yeah. I mean, can you? I'd be like, I won't change my name, Judge. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine like being a young Ted, you know, Ted Bundy's daughter? Well, these two girls are going to have to live with this the rest of their lives. Yeah, they're going to. They, I mean, there's going to be press following around, following them around forever. True. They're never going to have any anonymity. They're never going to have, even if say the one that gets out, she changes her life. She gets on track. She gets a husband and has kids. She's, she's for, still going to be known as that girl. Isn't that girl. I mean, I don't, she needs to write a book and make a couple million dollars off the sales. That's what be, she needs to do. I'd be like, uh, I'm out of, jo- but I don't think, that, I think, but the problem is, is the family of the girl they stabbed would sue her for half of it. Well, she should probably just give them half anyway and go on. Well, she's got to like supposedly have an ankle bracelet on till she's like, what, 37 and has to live with her dad. I mean, she's never going to get to leave that town ever. Yeah. She has to stay in the county. So she's never going to yeah. ever have a normal life again. And she'll be working at the come and go and people will be throwing eggs at her. But I just, unfortunately, I just say this, but that's the price you pay for what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's sad. I mean, you can make, but that's life. You can make a mistake that's going to change the rest of yeah. your life. That's that's what that's and what kids don't understand a lot of times until you get to be an adult. And that prefrontal cortex I was talking about earlier forms up. They don't under people just don't understand it. This is going to follow you forever. Well, like but, we tell my kids, you've told them a lot of times too. Pictures on the internet will follow you forever. They are permanent. Don't take nudes. They'll follow you forever. Exactly. Don't. Well, I've got when I was dating all those other women before I met you, I deleted all those pictures that they sent me on that I did not ask for, but they still keep popping up. I'm like, I had to look at it. I had to look at Andrea and I said, Andrea, don't kill me. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, I, I deleted this picture 
I, I don't know how many times. Thank God. And Love there it iPhone pops cloud. up again. And I'm like, oh, since so I, I, what I did is just what you do is you don't hide it. Yeah, I showed it to you. And and I, was like, I didn't oh, show man. you the picture, but I said, yeah, this you told me about it. And up. I was I just laughing. It's like, thank you, iPhone cloud. Thank you, the cloud for keeping everything. Yeah. Keeping my memories alive. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So there's much. some memories that I need to die. <laughs> Mainly those pictures. <laughs> but um, I'm sure the person that it's a picture of would prefer that they were dead, too. You know, I try to tell my kids, do not take pictures. Do I not get rid of it. Do not accept dick pics. <laughs> And yeah. little boys send them. And I'm like, oh, you're God. 14. That's jail sentence right there. They put a girl in, in, in jail up in uh, one of the northeastern states because she received a bunch of those and sent them to her friends. That is technically it's just showing child, child porn. porn. Yeah. She's in jail now for doing that. Something That's crazy. Something innocent. It's like, boys, if you really want to get attention of a lady, do not send a dick pic. Yeah, this doesn't matter anyway. Nobody wants to see that. And especially if a mom of a 14-year-old and a 13-year-old, that's not exactly making the mom want you to come over and have dinner. <laughs> it reminds me of that meme, the one I show you. It says, apparently, when I, when I was, I was blow-drying my penis, my wife came in and said, what are you doing? And I said, apparently, blow-drying your dinner is not a correct response. Oh, my gosh. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a correct response. But it's just... <laughs> You know, <laughs> parents, we do the best we can, and yeah. I feel for these parents. Well, and just pay it. I, I don't know. Just pay attention. You know, I'm not telling you to pay attention. I'm just saying, I'm talking to the the, the ether here for anybody who needs to hear it. It's pay hard. more attention. It's hard. Oh, I know. I know. Trust it, you, me, I know. I mean, I get it. I'm watching you trying to get this stuff done. You really need help getting all these things going on, and I'm just like, I, I, I can't help you. I, I'm, I'm stuck an hour away. I only get to see you, you know, three or four times a week at the most. I live an hour away. I live in Eureka Springs. Yeah. I work in Fayetteville, so. She's over here a little bit more than, more than normal, but I just don't want to live out in the sticks. The sticks can be nice. Uh, not on my car. This is true. I drive a Mustang GT and it's just those rocky roads, man. I'm telling you. Telling you it's a whole other world going from Fayetteville to Eureka. It's like you're crossing into a whole other country. It's not quite banjo time, (laughs) even though it does slightly look like it when you get on my dirt road. But I mean, parents, it's just, it's hard for you to want to think and see and believe that, oh, how do you know this is difference between someone just having a fascination with the macabre? Because I want to express themselves. If you've themselves. got that gut feeling, though, you need to follow up. On yeah, it. exactly. But some parents don't have that in tune to them. Just because you give birth to a child doesn't mean all of a sudden that you got this in tune ability. Yeah. Well, and and not everybody's not not everybody is capable either. I mean, I mean, what are you gonna do? Like lock up everything and keep everything like down like Fort Knox for the inevitable? You're just gonna make the kid grow up to be kind of crazy too, if you think about it. All my knives were locked up growing up, and I had to get everything out of a lockbox before I could do anything. That will make your child messed up too. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, you lock mm-hmm. up everything in your house. I have to lock up stuff in my house. Yeah, I know. But I let her out for lunch every day about noon. Oh my gosh. No, that's not true. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. There's no one locked up in my house. <laughs> he doesn't want people coming over. <laughs> I would let her out if he didn't have anybody. I'm yeah, teasing. that's true. <laughs> she wouldn't let her out. What? You said you were teasing. I'm teasing the fact that what you're doing. I'm not doing anything. I know, but you know. <laughs> I don't even you... have a basement. That's probably good though. And I don't buy lotion for its skin. Oh my gosh. <laughs> to all the people that love that movie out there. 
<laughs> it's forever a meme. Exactly. Anyway, so I don't know. Did we ever get to the bottom of any of this? Well, I guess the girl's going to be able to be out. That one girl, she got out. And I guess the one that's uh, Morgan that's in the... Uh, oh, she's she still looks crazy. But she's probably highly medicated. Well, if, if for her to be on schizophrenia, I feel really bad for people that are diagnosed with that. I mean... You have to be on some heavy, heavy drugs, and the side effects are awful. Yeah. You and drool on yourself, usually. Not all of them, but you get that Tarsnic dyskinesia. I could be, I'm, no, I'm not pronouncing it right. Dyskinesia? Dyskinesia. Like pin rolling your fingers. And oh, yeah, yeah. And you take, can't touch, somebody's always constantly playing at their eyebrow. Yeah. That's a really telltale sign of some of the medication for schizophrenia. Not always. There's it, but, other, but, medi- it's true for a lot of them, but you can have that issue with other medications now. But that's true. I just, for the people that are, fun- you can function. I don't want people on, the, on this podcast think anybody with schizophrenia is going to go out and murder you. That's not true. You, That's not true. No. You can if you take your medication and you're cognitively aware of what's real and what's not. And you've with lots of therapy. Did they diagnose Kaczynski as schizophrenic? I don't know. Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber? He might have been. I mean. I think he was. He but, was crazy. Yeah, he was crazy. Yeah. But you take your meds and you, you could be highly functional. Oh, yeah. And live a normal, happy life. Yeah. But uh, at least when I was taught in school, schizophrenia typically doesn't happen until you're like in your 20s. Now it's discovering more and more in children. Well, and the diagnoses are getting more and more intricate. ADHD, ADD, uh, 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 the 50,000 other things that are now broken off that they used to when I went to school to be a psychologist because I did go to school to be a psychologist no I did not graduate but when I went to school to be a psychologist schizophrenia is where they threw everything they didn't understand it's true like we, I picked up a Merrick manual which is a, a book that physicians usually have to have in medical school and I, I was I was just wanting to pick it up for like basically shits and uh, yeah it was fun yeah, it was printed in what, 1950? Yeah, I told this uh, woman has a hypertensive episode, then she should just have bed rest. <laughs> yeah, I, the funniest thing about that is that the psych stuff, everything he's true, everything was grouped to schizophrenia. 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 Or, uh, hysteria. Hysteria in women, schizophrenia in men, yeah. And um, another diagnosis that was funny at the Merrick's manual is heart attack treatment. Oh, yeah. So is how much we've come along with the modern. The Widowmaker left up to its name in the 50s. Yeah, it's basically the left. Um, Artery or your heart, it carries a lot of the blood flow in it. The LAD, the left core, I guess I can LAD is what we always called it. But anyways, if it's blocked for you in the 50s, if you didn't get treatment for basically like a cardiac cath or some sort of surgical intervention, yeah. you were dead. Yeah. And so they called it the Widowmaker because they couldn't do anything, about, do anything it about it. And reading though that Homeric manual, it talks about treatment, diagnoses, all this good stuff that physicians use. It's bed rest. It was bed rest. And I just laughed and laughed and laughed because so far we've come in medicine that you don't get bed rest you you get blood work and you get you know ekg and you get a stress test and if it's really ekg is really bad you're going straight to cath lab to get a stent and placed emergently yeah and national standard is you got to do it 90 minutes door to balloon time door you hit the er to the time you're in the cath lab has to be 90 minutes thinking if i've there's been some talk and I've kind of been out of the journals lately with that, that they're wanting to shave that down to so under like an hour, minutes? Yeah, under an hour. Cause it's time is muscle. So psychiatric, put an airbag in your, in your, in your heart muscle. Whenever you're uh, like 35, that if it gets blocked, it just goes off a balloon, yeah. an airbag balloon. Yeah. Just an airbag. Just <laughs> I don't think that would be a good idea. Breakup clots. 
<laughs> no. Like up arteries where they don't exist anymore. But like psychiatric <laughs> care has changed. I mean, now childhood schizophrenia is something that I never even had to think of as a clinician. I've don't never taken care of children yeah. other than my own. Pediatrics is not my forte. For any of you guys who do that, bless you. You have more yeah. patients than I have. Unlike adults, they can talk to me. What's wrong? Kids are just like whatever and cry and like yeah, no, not for me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> not for me. But for yeah. this situation, I mean, one of the girls was it Morgan was just like flat affect, not really hardly yeah. any emotion, and then uh, was it Anise? I kind of had some. Yeah. That's what got me watching the whole entire. But I thing. can tell. I could tell their mannerisms. I could see their mannerisms and their the, the expressions on their face, and the little ticks that they have. It's like well, if you, you can tell somebody's telling you a story that they have no confidence in, their shoulder will shrug while they're talking. That's a telltale sign that they don't believe in anything that they're saying. However, the problem is just like a lie detector that you hook up somebody at the police station. You don't know what they're lying about. You don't know what they're not believing. Right. So that's the, that's the issue behind that is you're not, you know, they're being deceitful, but about what is the problem? You can't decide for that without opening up their brain and, you know, listening. Well, teenagers, they don't, they can be somewhat honest and just well, sure. not and want to tell you the whole truth. That's they, just, and that's, well, I'm just saying, I mean, there's, there's certain little things you can, you can, you can look for. Yeah. And, uh, that's what I was saying when I was watching these girls do their interviews, do their, but the camera was like a very, like yeah, in the so center of the room, high level focus. Yeah. You really, I could tell by their body. One girl had her hands in her socks. Did you see that? Maybe she was cold. I don't know. She was, she had her hand in her hands in her socks as a defensive posture to try to hide from telling the truth because what she really felt was something a little different. Is that the scene where she's in the blanket? No, it was the other girl. Okay. So the the schizophrenic girl. She had her hands in her socks. The other girl was in the blanket all the time. Uh, she was probably cold, but she was also using it as a defense mechanism because she didn't want to be... She, she felt really bad about what she did. And she did feel... I could tell she felt really bad about it. This is her body language and her facial expressions. But anyway, so I guess that's... How about it? I mean, it's really a lot of still unanswered questions and things we'll probably never know. Um... But I t- so next week though, uh, I've got I profess a doctor of astrophys astro what is he astrophysics I astrophysics think. that's right that's right that's right right he's he's coming on and we're gonna talk to him something totally different than like oh know. yeah this is what I you know what I want to know you know I mean it's not I can't get my deal to go away here all right there we go so I got the other word. Uh, it's going to be Dr. Jeff Zwierink from the Reasons to Believe Corporation, I think it is. And we're going to talk about, can science actually be resolved into faith? And can faith be resolved into science? Because I've always felt that science sometimes leaves the religion portion out of it and do we really have to be agnostic do we really have to be atheistic to be able to deal with science or can science explain some of the things we've we thought was uh, you know it's like ghosts you know we have some explanations for some reasons and it's usually psychology that's involved but this guy's an astrophysicist so we're going to talk about 
oh, God knows what. I mean, it's, it's I'm just going to flow with it and see what he's interested in. And then just hit him with some questions that I have. I do have a few questions for him. You want to do it too? Yeah. I have some questions about like medicine and um, science. We have, okay. you know, religious beliefs of why people don't want blood products or donate organs. He or, may not know some of that stuff. And that's fine. I'm just curious as to where does science and religion play into that? Because it's heavily affected my career in a lot of aspects. Well, yeah. And just because it's religious, should it be just because the thought originated in a religious theory, should it be discarded? And not necessarily, I don't think. And I'm not talking, I'm not going to be approaching it from the apologetics of Christianity and science. I'm going to be coming at it from more of a logical brain side. Because I mean, I'm very much into like if my life's on the line and I need some blood and even though my, this isn't true with my faith, but you'd say my faith doesn't believe in blood products, but if I'm going to die, uh, Christian sciences, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to take some blood products. So anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today with that guy next. And I hope that uh, you send me a note that says hello. If you want to say hi to Andrea, back off. She's mine. That's all I can say. <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess we'll talk to you later. And uh, any feedback, comments, email me, paulg at paulgnewton.com. And this is Things I Want to Know. Bye. Bye.